You can now hear Tech Actually on Stitcher Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly on your iPhone, Android, BlackBerry, or WebOS device. The latest episode is always available for you. No syncing needed, no memory wasted. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free today at Stitcher.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tech Actually, episode 109 for the 20th of November 2010. I am Dave McVeigh, and I am joined in studio by Josh Philpott. How are you, Josh? I'm good. Good timing. <laughs> I like literally made it over to the fan, turned it off, and sat back down. You guys wouldn't have even noticed if I didn't say anything. Um, wow. I'm good, Dave. I'm good. I'm very good. Do you know why I'm really good? Why are you really good? Because I'm wearing shorts. Good and that's, call. And that's such... Such a relief as opposed to last week with the uh, jeans and the heavy and the hot and the dying. Yeah, I actually thought you were going to expire by the end of the show. <laughs> I thought I was going to die. I actually did. I was so happy to get out of that room and then I got outside and realized it was just as bad out there. It was. It was actually very, very hot last week if you've listened to last week's show, which obviously a lot of you have because our numbers are very good. Um, and you will know that uh, by the time we reached the after show, uh, Josh was just about ready to fall over. <laughs> I just didn't care anymore. I was just like, I just want to leave. Now, it's not so bad today. It is still warm, but it's not so bad today. So but we I'm should, in short, so You're in short, so you'll be, you'll be right. Um, okay, so what is this? This is the official tech podcast of geekactually.com. Uh, this is where we take a kind of lighthearted look at the week in tech. We don't try and break news, heavy news stories, but we do put out our warnings for the great robot apocalypse that we believe is impending, and we do have some more on that this week, so we'll come to that in a minute. First of all, I just want to throw out our plugs, and yes, I know everybody is getting bored of this by now, I'm sure, but I don't care. Um, uh, the David Storms America Tour, we are still taking donations for that. We're trying to get uh, over to the States to actually, you know, uh, 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 rub shoulders with the big guys over there and basically, you know shake some hands and say who we are and hopefully get noticed. People like the Leo Laportes and the CNET crowd and the Molly Woods and so forth of the world. Um, so uh, if you do feel like uh, donating to try and get us over there, we are trying to raise $6,000. And to all those who have already donated, I say thank you very much. Um, your donations are appreciated, and we will keep this going as long as it takes us to raise the money to get over there. <laughs> so um, anyway, so that's that plug, and we'll get that out of the way. There is, a, If you go to geekactually.com, on the front page is the donation uh, panel. You'll see it there. Uh, uh, right at the top of the page, and there is a post called The Plan, or David Storms America, The Plan, which you can read and find out a little bit more about what we're planning. That, however, is not the tech news. The tech news this week is we have more information about the impending robot apocalypse. And do you remember the snake? Yes. Uh, the creepy snake that crawled up trees and stuff? Well, apparently the Israeli army is actually planning on putting this into practice. And they have one. And now there is video. If you follow the link uh, at geekactually.com, oh, sorry, on the show notes for this episode, which will be on geekactually.com, you'll be able to see the video of the snake because they've taken that snake. I don't have the video here because I had trouble ripping it from the page. But um, if you have a look at that video, it's the same snake, but they've actually put camo material all over it so it's camouflaged and the israeli army is using it but here's the twist here's the part that we didn't hadn't heard before which is apparently each segment of the snake has its own cpu and processors and so forth so if you blow it up it just becomes lots of little snakes 
<laughs> this thing just gets creepier by the second. Doesn't I, mean, it? I think Isn't... we've just got to the point where there's just um, nothing left that we can do. Oh, we have robots that can... I them. disagree. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think that we focus far too much on military application. I think for the robot apocalypse to truly... To truly be a robot apocalypse, they have to take all aspects of our jobs. Right. So I have some video here. Uh, this is the first robot actress. Oh, God. So here you go. Here's, here's robots. This actress can be forgiven for being a bit stiff, but certainly not wooden. Plastic, maybe. For believe it or not, she's a robot. Oh, no. Genoid 4, as she's called, is taking a leading role in a 20-minute play in Tokyo. Seated throughout the piece of movements and voice hey, control dude. from behind yeah, the she's scenes. still a better actor than director, than, uh, it's Lindsay a dream Lohan. Director <laughs> <laughs> who does exactly what we're told. Ariza Harata is the man behind <laughs> Sayonara. For me as a director, there's nothing more appreciable than robot actors. Of All course. kinds. Their acting problems can ultimately be solved only if I can invest enough time and the audience always loves to see them acting. And as for acting alongside a robot, Briarly Long admits it's a bit strange. I kind of feel like I'm alone, I think, yeah. That's because you are. Um, <laughs> there's a bit of a distance. The, the robot has a... That's because it's not real. ...position because it's got a voice, but it's not the same kind of human presence. That's because it's not human! A ...response from the audience, <laughs> impressed by the impeccable casting of an android playing an android. I love that. It's an android playing an android. Yeah. Yeah. It's not human. That's why there's a disconnect. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yes, they're going to take over all aspects of our life. And eventually, I think artist Joshua Hoffine, Hoffine, I believe it's pronounced, kind of nailed it with his new piece of artwork that was on the web this week, which was like this. <laughs> so I think he kind of sums up how we feel. This is, uh, for those audio listeners, it's a robot with giant syringe hands dominating a human being so uh and you can find the art this artwork in much better quality of course at the on the show notes of geekactually.com all right so that's our impending robot apocalypse news for this week we really do need a theme for impending robot apocalypse um dj yeager dj yeager anyone <laughs> um all right so in the news this week though let's let's do some real news uh well kind of real news it's sort of Real news. Sort of near. Real sort of news. real news. The NBN, or the National Broadband Network. Now, for our international listeners, this is kind of irrelevant, but this is important for us Australians. Um, uh, I say us Australians like I'm an Australian citizen. <laughs> Didn't you like that? Anyway, um, uh, apparently it's come under threat again because the uh, uh, opposition uh, has basically uh, called for the government to submit a business plan saying we need business information on this. We need you to, to tell us exactly how much it's going to cost and what its you know, cost-to-profit uh, cost ratios are and blah, blah, blah. And the uh, federal government is kind of uh, standing back, and they're basically saying we will give you a business plan, but not yet, because we're still trying to work out all the kinks and trying to figure out all the business propositions, which is a very reasonable position, I would say. Let's make mm. sure it's right before we give it out. Because you know if they release the current business plan oh, that they have, it will be shredded. Yeah. And it'll be spun, and it'll be, this is, they don't know what they're doing. And they're basically saying, just give us a little bit of time. The problem is, and you know, that wouldn't be a big issue, because you know, the government has those couple of independents who are keeping them in the balance of power. However, this week, the independents are now starting to get shaky. And one of them in particular has actually said, actually, I kind of want to see the business plan too. Yeah. So um, what they're basically asking for is the business plan before the last parliament of this year, uh, which is very soon. And the government is pushing to have it for 
early next year. Um, so I don't know where this is going to go, but uh, some of the issues in this business plan though, that they really want to know are things like, and this is the part that really I didn't understand, was that they actually wanted to talk about you know things like uh, a competition against uh, things like you know copper network carriers and stuff like that. And my question is, well, that's kind of a no-brainer because there won't be a copper network. Mm. The whole idea of the NBN is to eliminate the copper network, to replace it. Mm. So that doesn't make sense that they would be looking at the competition towards the copper network. The copper network's being retired. Mm. So I, I'm not quite sure, and I will do more research on this, but yeah, the NBN is under threat. I just wish they would just get over it and say, look, it's a giant infrastructure thing. The government is in power. They've had this plan for a while. Let them roll it out. This can only be good for the country. Mm. You know, so I don't know. Uh, our chat room, does anybody have anything to say about that? Uh, I don't think it's ever going to happen. Uh, blah, well, blah, it's blah. happening. I mean, they're actually rolling it out. Some of the, some places have already got it. Um, but uh, the head of the NBN wrote a letter to the senator to say, hey, he won't give out the business plan, but it's going to get cheaper than the first proposed. Yeah, we've heard that before. They're actually saying that it's getting cheaper. And that makes sense because technology goes down in price. Yeah. So the longer this gets strung out, the cheaper it's going to get, theoretically. Uh, and our dollar is so strong at the moment that that can only be a good thing, too. Um, all right. So from there, let's move on to... I'm going to put on a voice for this one. The internet censorship filter that just wouldn't die. <laughs> um, now, the reason why we bring this up again is because Stephen Conroy is flogging that horse again. Um, basically, uh, he's saying... Continue. What the hell? My, my thing has gone crazy. Oh, here we go. Okay. Basically, what he's saying is that... Uh, uh, he knows it can't be put through right now, and he knows that you know there are delays and so forth. But he believes that the ISP filtering has been deferred, and it is coming back, and he believes it'll be in the second half of 2013. Really? Now, my question about that is, in the latter half of 2013, will this government even be in power? <laughs> so, um, and, and Snake also says, now this is something that we will get. You know what? I, the writing is on the wall. I'm feeling like it's inevitable that this is going to happen because he just won't let it go. Yeah. And anytime you are incredibly tenacious about something, whether right or wrong, um, it tends to be the thing that gets put through. Mm. Um, think about John Howard and the GST, you know, or not John Howard, the Liberal Party in general and the GST. They just kept going. I mean, from the from the early 90s all the way through, they kept saying we want the GST, GST, GST. Then they dropped it for a while, but eventually it came back. And eventually, I think this ISP filter is going to be attempted. But here is a bit of a cog in the wheel for you, Josh. Yeah. Thailand actually runs one of these internet censorship filters. This is one of the countries that does run it. And the, the uh, prime minister has actually come out and said, you know what? They don't work. Yeah. So Exactly. You know, uh, We've said it a thousand times before. Sorry, not the prime no minister. Sorry, the uh, Thailand's IT minister is the one who came out. Yeah. And he basically said that uh, they've had it in effect for a while, and he said that they just don't work. Hmm. So what were you going to say? Sorry, I interrupted you. No, I was just saying we've said this so many times, and it's just like, I mean, people like us will never be taken seriously, but they just don't work. There is no way to filter. We have used filters there are places that use filters. Businesses use filters now. They don't stop anything. No. I can get through them within five minutes and a tiny bit of logical thinking because all you have to do is use something that they're not filtering. Mm. And that's not difficult to do. And let's face it, most of the 14-year-olds out there are smarter than they are. Exactly. And more, most more of the 14 savvy anyway. Like, seriously, an IP blocker is like 
so easy to use. Five-year-olds can use it. Old people can use it. We've already <laughs> seen that. Well, the, uh, there was a thing on um, ABC TV where they were actually saying that um, senior citizens are going to IT classes at the moment yeah. learning how to subvert internet censorship. Yeah. Because they want to do things like study up on things like euthanasia and stuff like that, yeah. which they can't do because these sites are blocked through most things. They're learning how to subvert that, that technology. And it's not difficult and it's not illegal. No. So, uh, yeah, I think the uh, internet censorship filter really just needs to go away at some point, please. Just leave it alone. It's done. Stephen Conroy, take your hand off it or you'll go blind. All right? It's as simple as that. Okay, Josh. Yes. We haven't had a story like this in a long time. I'm very excited. And I thought it was time that we actually did have a story about the Large Hadron Collider. Because this week, they did something extraordinary. And this isn't going to sound really extraordinary until you think of the ramifications of this. Yeah. Antimatter. We've actually known about antimatter for many years. We've actually been able to study antimatter for a long time in the sense that we know it's there and so forth. But however, the Large Hadron Collider managed to capture a small portion of anti-hydrogen and store it for a tenth of a second between powerful magnets before it dissipated. But the point is, they said that was actually enough time to have a look at it. And if they can do it once, they can do it again. Now, the concept being that if antimatter and matter connect, they basically counteract each other. And some people say it goes boom. Some people say it just dissipates, right? And the argument that the Large Hadron Collider would say is that it just counteracts itself, right? If you go by Dan Brown's Angels and Demons, he says it makes a bomb. (laughs) But um, anyway, the point is that they actually did manage to trap a little bit of antimatter. Now, antimatter in theory, can be used as a limitless power source in uh, our positively charged world. And so, of course, this leads us to believing in things like warp drive. Damn right. Warp drive for the Enterprise and all sorts of stuff. Now, as I say, it's going to be many, 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 many years until they can actually trap enough antimatter to actually do something with it. But we've trapped it. We've seen it. We've studied it. It's there. And we and can actually no sit. one can call me a nerd for talking <laughs> about it. Right. It, it exists. exists. <laughs> <laughs> we'll rule the world eventually, And then Dave. Snake Oz says, and then they're going to drop it in Rome so Tom Hanks can save us all. Okay. No. no. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you see Angels and Demons in no, the end? No. Oh. I, don't, I don't watch and I don't read anything. I read Dan Brown's. No, no. <laughs> I don't read Dan Brown because I read. He's a hack? Yes, yeah. I read the um, his amazing book, The Da Vinci Code, which bored me to tears and showed me information I've known for about seven years. And can I tell you something about The Da Vinci Code? The audio book is the best sedative you'll ever use. <laughs> I put it on, can't get through a chapter. You put on the audio book. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, no, incredible hack of a person, and he doesn't know shit about science. And the other book that is, a and for all of our geeks in our chat room, you'll know, uh, is what's it called? The Digital Fortress or whatever mm. it is, which is the most scientifically inaccurate book ever written. Yeah. Um, and it's all about uh, the internet and, and firewalls and stuff. And you sit and go, this is a man who knows absolutely nothing about any of this. He finds it fascinating. He doesn't know anything about no, it. No, that's right. Absolutely. He just kind of makes it all up as he goes along. Yeah. Okay. So I thought the Large Hadron Collider, for the first time, we've actually been able to report on a Large Hadron Collider story that isn't feeling like it's the end of the world. Yeah. It actually feels like, wait, they actually did something. So cool. CERN, my hat's off to you. Keep up the good work. Just don't yeah. blow up the world. 
Um, now, I'm just going to breeze past this one really quickly because I haven't had time to actually do a lot of research. I'm not even sure if it's rolled out in Australia yet. But um, Facebook, uh, Mark Zuckerberg took the stage and announced a new emailing system. He basically said, email is dead. His proclamation. His email. His email. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, so that's so, basically what he did. He yeah. basically said email's dead. Here's another version of Version email. of email. That's right. He basically said Facebook is going to have, well, he's not calling it email. He's calling it a Facebook messaging system that will incorporate like SMS and email and messaging and everything all into one thing and probably make it completely, you know, probably take all the privacy away from it because that's what Facebook does. But I will have a look at this in detail and we will actually try and find out more about it. But I got to ask you a question. Do you trust Facebook enough to be your central communication hub? Man, I don't even write messages on that thing. (laughs) I like, once every now and then I might write a message going, just finished Black Ops, oh yeah, or something like that. That's about the extent of how I use Facebook. Facebook for me is a messaging service for people that want to get in contact with me. That's it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, sorry. I don't trust them as far Look, as... Look, everybody who listens to this show knows that um, uh, I almost abandoned Facebook altogether. I am still there, but I basically locked my account up. My private account is barely used. Yeah. I only use the fan page. Um, I don't trust Facebook, quite frankly, and I don't really want them to have all my information. I don't even fill out the profile section on it anymore. I don't even have all the part that says what school did you go to and all that sort of stuff because all the horror stories of Facebook and the fact that people were data mining... All that information, and because if all they need in America, it's a bit different here, but in America, all they really need is things like your school's name, your spouse's name, you know, all these little bits of personal detail to do things like open bank accounts and stuff. Yeah. So, no, I don't trust them. I'm sorry. I just I have no interest uh, in, in, in being part of putting my entire life onto Facebook. Um, you want to find out about me, go to geekactually.com, and I even have a personal website, davidmcveigh.net, and I can actually control my own environments. Mm. Uh, which is what I prefer. Okay, so that's Facebook's... Oh, we should have beat-up of the week, shouldn't we? <laughs> uh. That wasn't really a beat-up, but anyway. Now, uh, I thought this was interesting, though. A guy called Jeffrey Cole, who is an uh, IT analyst, and he is actually the guy who actually predicted uh, the death of MySpace, basically. Yes, MySpace is still around. Don't write to me. I know it's still there, but nobody uses it. I mean, it's just become a media... Actually, that's it's become a media really... That's, it's been a really common misconception. Um, it is definitely there and very prevalent. And it still has 100 million users, so yeah, it's still and, there. Um, it, it's basically things like bands will stick up their albums because they can stick them up without having a fear of people pulling down the music right. apart from recording it. And what's interesting is that this week, it's not in our lineup, but I just listened to it on the podcast. Apparently, Facebook and MySpace just made a joint announcement, and they're kind of in cahoots with each other now. They're actually putting MySpace and Facebook linking to each other. Yeah. So Facebook is taking over the world, basically. Yeah. You know? um, now, time. Facebook will never buy MySpace and eliminate MySpace because they need the competition. It's kind of like that whole, you know, weekend at Bernie's Apple and Microsoft thing that we were talking about before. They need to have MySpace there because they need to basically say, see, we're not anti-competitive. There are other social networks out there, but they are linking to each other so much now that it's, uh, it's virtually the same thing. However, Jeffrey Cole, who uh, basically said that MySpace, excuse me, MySpace would not be the dominant entry yeah. into social networking uh, a few years ago and was right. Mm has now come out with a new prediction, and he says that Facebook will be gone in five years. 
Interesting. Interesting. Does he, is there any further follow-up to that? Does he um, say that I'm just having a look at the article now. He said, uh, Dr. Cole, who addressed the digital marketing forum hosted by 9MSN in Sydney this morning, predicted the site would be no more successful than MySpace and Bebo at hanging onto the fickle teenage audience. Basically, what he's saying is there'll be something else, yeah. and everybody will shift. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, a, um, it's just the way that our teenagers are at the moment. And let's face it, they're the predominance of the users at this mm. point. Now, Facebook does have one thing that MySpace and these others didn't, which is it has attracted the mom and pop audience. Now, uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, <laughs> I tend, uh, like, I mean, I'm no analyst, and I understand that, you know, my opinion could very much be wrong, and I'm not going to stand up against this man and say he's wrong. I'm just going to say I don't agree with that because the one thing Facebook has been doing for quite a while, right, Um is basically Facebook has been taking the concept of bringing everything it can into the world. It is, you know, like we complain quite regularly that the um, uh, that the thing that Facebook does so well is take all our information and dump it in one spot. The problem is that people aren't going to just let go of that. It's not like MySpace was where when you let go of your MySpace account, you lost your page and maybe a song or two you uploaded. This is like all your information, all your friends' contacts. I have so many contacts that I have no other way about Facebook. Mm, I won't mm. be able to import those because Facebook isn't going to let you import all those information out into a different account. Well, yeah, that's, that's a very good point, which is uh, once it's in Facebook, it's locked in Facebook. Exactly. And if this works and takes off this whole concept of all the, the, what they've dropped now, saying that they're incorporating your SMS and stuff like that, if you get a good reader that can handle all of that information, most people will just go for it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, uh, maybe he's right, but if Facebook can get that much information on us and keep it, the question is, will you be able to just walk away from it? According to him, he actually says, as Dr. Cole says, the same thing will happen to Facebook as what happened to MySpace. It's just going to take a lot longer, mm. um, is basically what he's saying. Um, he said mm. that it's a much bigger service, so, of course, it will take longer, but he does predict that... Um, that uh, the people will move on once something is once there is a another alternative, mm. and that other alternative could come in the face of Google because Google has been talking about a social network for a while. It's not going to be in the form of Ping, no, <laughs> the Apple Ping service, which is a complete disaster. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Why are my show notes not loading back up? Come on, get back up there, dudes. Come on. All right. Uh, moving from Facebook, we also have to say that. Uh, HP has launched what they called their iPad killer. It was this extraordinary tablet. And, and this is the part that I love. According to this, it says that they, they uh, said that this would be the replacement tablet for the – oh, bless you. This would be Thank the you. replacement tablet for the iPad. And uh, sorry, I'm just bringing up a note. That's why I'm stalling uh, because I think this is wonderful. I want to make sure I get my facts right. They said that the, there was extraordinary demand for this new tablet. It's called the HP Slate tablet. So what, six? And they sold out. And now they've had to put out letters to people basically saying, you know, we got more stock coming. You're going to have to wait and so forth. Extraordinary demand actually uh, – uh, let's go into it in detail and look at it and say the extraordinary demand was that they uh, took the form of 9,000 orders. Huge. Huge. So they sold out and they had to rehire the production staff. <laughs> they had to rehire the production staff because they only made 5,000 of these devices. Uh. So now they have to go and make all these back orders. Um, and now let's put this into perspective – 
iPad sold 7.5 million units in its first six months. Mm. So, um, so the HP Slate tablet may have been a success for HP to sell off their 5,000 tablets that they bought and they made, but it's no iPad killer. Let's face What's it. What's the battery life on it? Somebody was telling me like three or four hours or something. Uh, they don't actually have the details about the device here. I was hoping to have more details on the device itself, but we will actually have to look. It says if you want one of these slates for Christmas delivery, though, you're out of luck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think that's funny. I think it's funny when all these guys go, we're going to be the killer of that device. Yeah. And How about you just make a device that works well? And yeah, does look, work. if you put a really good device out there that looks good, works well, has good functionality, people will buy it. Yeah. You know, it's it's one of those situations where they will buy it if it's the product is good. Yeah. Boy, Goodreader is being really, really slow today. Oh, HP says five hours plus. Five hours. Go. All right. Cool. Yeah. Um, I'm having trouble loading my show notes here, guys. That's why I'm kind of delaying a little bit here. For some reason... Sunrise was the next episode. Yeah, so here we go. We're, we're back now. Sorry, for some reason my... Good reader is lagging like crazy. Okay, uh, Kotaku. Um, what's his name? Seamus. I don't have the. Uh, Just Seamus will do. Seamus. Seamus. <clears throat> Seamus from uh, Kotaku went on the Sunrise program uh, this week uh, to talk about the R18 plus rating. Now, we did talk about this a couple weeks ago. The uh, attorneys generals are re meeting. Yeah. Um, now, this is next month, isn't it? It's December. Yeah. So um, they're re-meeting to talk about the R18 rating again. Um, and so Seamus, uh, I do have his name here somewhere. Where is it? Uh, screw that. Why can't I find it here? Uh, anyway, so Seamus. We'll say Seamus. His name comes up at the bottom of the screen. Uh, we'll remind you when it comes up. He basically uh, went on to uh, Sunrise with um, uh, somebody from the Australian Family Association, Damien Hope, I think his name is, uh, to debate, uh, basically, the R18 plus rating, the merits and the against. Now, I actually grabbed three clips from this video. It's a very long video, and you can actually find the link to watch the entire video on our show notes. But I did grab three bites from it here. The reason why I grabbed these three particular bites is because I got to say Seamus got spun. Yeah. Uh, when he first came out and they first started this thing, <coughs> excuse me, um, he says, and I'll let you listen to it, but he basically says something uh, which was reinterpreted by the Australian Family Association guy um, to make it sound like, well, basically they should ban the game. They're talking about black ops. Yeah. So have a look at that. This is, this is where he gets spun a little bit. Um, first up to you, uh, is this game suitable for 15-year-olds or not, do you think? No, I, I really don't think many gamers, apart from perhaps a few, you know, 15-year-old gamers, would be arguing that this is actually suitable. Uh, I think the issue really, it, this is a perfect example of why uh, we need to bring the uh, classification system into line with film and literature so that R-rated games, you know, very intensive adult-themed games, uh, aren't available to, uh, to young teenagers. Damien, I know that the censorship board is going to decide next month and have a revisit of this um, R18 rating, but what do you think? Is the 15 plus at the moment enough? Well, um, Seamus makes an interesting observation. What I think he's really calling for is the censorship board to ban this particular product. Um, it's not because what he's he is, he is saying. He is saying effectively that it should not be given the rating that it has been given, and for him to say that means that it should not be on the shelves now. Now, I, 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 I say he got that a bit. spun. No, but like it doesn't matter that he got spun because I mean, like any person with a mild sense of intelligence will understand that the whole reason they're sitting on those couches right now is to discuss the fact that there should be an R18 rating, mm -hmm. right? But what, yeah, but what he's saying is, 
And I agree with Seamus. What he's saying is the system is wrong. This game probably should be rated R, but under the current system, it's rated No, we only have a system which can allow for this, Mm. right? That doesn't in any way or practical form say that we think it should be R18. We're saying we feel that there should be a rating higher to support that age bracket, right? There's nothing in what he says. That's a, that's a spin tactic from a politician. As I say, he was spun. Yeah. But the problem is, to the average viewer, what they're going to hear is, yeah, he said this game really isn't suitable for 15-year-olds. I can guarantee you, Dave, right now... Think about the audience are, for Sunrise. N- yep, fine. The audience for Sunrise can say whatever they want. There are too many people in Australia with Black Ops sitting in their room right now. Interestingly this- enough... The, the, the Australian Family Association guy's kid has black ops because yep. he talks about it later on in the thing. All right. Now, Kotaku Seamus Byrne, by the way, is his name. Seamus does redeem himself. Yep. And this is where he redeems himself in this uh, clip. Now, uh, the reality is is the, the push for an R18 plus rating in relation to games is a push for more violent videos to be available in the community. But Absolutely. An R18 plus gives parents a level. So if, if you're over shameless. 18, if you're 24 and you want to play these sort of games, mm. you should be allowed. If that's what tickles your fancy, then go yeah. for it. I mean, look, right now, MA15 Plus is being applied as the classification system Because we operates. don't have an alternative. So, But, yeah, yeah, this game ticks all the boxes according to the current system. Now, the, clearly, we need to reach out that system so that... Because right now, parents are being pressured by, say, 14-year-olds say, well, this is OK for me because I'm almost 15. And so that's not really the case. And I think what we really need to see here is that, you know, I mean, there's discussions around you know, aggressive tendencies and issues like that, um, you know, and they might be promoted by games but these are actually put on the same scale as say the excitement someone gets out of winning a sports match yeah you know, you know, people kind of feel really kind of hyped up and excited when they actually are participating in any kind of a you know intensive event and this is what these kinds of games really offer but see Damien brought up the point when he said gee I thought to myself why haven't I picked this up earlier these sorts of games and that that's the issue it's really yeah. direction for parents isn't it of younger kids to give exactly. them a clear direction so you don't get conned by your children into getting these games so ah oh, it's only 15. yeah and i mean we basically have two parts with the status quo of this uh, you know we either have more games that are very violent being available to 15 year old children and that's not really for the best or the alternative is that we do try to ban you know uh, 90% of the games that are MA15 rated here in Australia are actually rated at a higher rating overseas so we either have a situation where we try to ban another 200 games you know every year um, but in doing so we basically open up an unregulated import market where everybody still tries to get a hold of this stuff fucking A man Absolutely right, A1 Seamus. Yeah. <laughs> so, look, the hosts get it. Yeah. <laughs> the hosts get it. And we do go into summary, and this is where um, I will say that uh, the uh, family, the, the, I keep saying family first, not family first, Australian Family Association, Damien Tudhope, really screws up. Because yeah. this is where he basically makes this grandiose statement about being black and white, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's so wrong. And even the hosts basically go, why can't there be everything? So let's have a look at this. This is just from the very end of it. This is just when they're signing off. Uh, this is actually the shortest clip of them all. But listen to this stupid suggestion from uh, Damien Tudhope. 
If it means, though, that by... Uh, if the standard is maintained as the same standard and just moved to sort of say well, the advisory for parents is that your, your children shouldn't be watching this unless they are or looking at this game or playing this game unless they're 18, if we just move that standard yeah. to 18, maybe that's a, a legitimate argument mm. and we have two standards, and, and it'll yeah. be the PG standard and the R standard. But that's what you're let, saying, let's, let, let's move it... Move, yeah. Let's cut out the uh, MA 18 plus, uh, 15 plus. Cut that one out, move it to R18 why? plus. That's oh, fine. Why not have a 15 more. plus? Well? I mean, it really is that the whole exactly. film <laughs> literature classification industry is based on decisions that were made 20 years ago. Well, I think I think everybody basically agrees that we need to revisit the whole system and actually set up a set of guidelines for parents that actually make sense for all well, forms of media. follow this because it is a, yep. as Mel was saying, they've been putting it off forever. Yep. It's yep. a decision time, fellas, um, and we'll keep watching. It's decision time, fellas. I love that. Yeah, I love this comment from uh, Northy where he says, the hosts get it and they never get anything. Wow. <laughs> you know? They're paid not to get anything. They're not allowed to take a side. But I love that comment. Goes, let's, just, let's just take all the standards for MA15, make that the 18 rating and just cut out the MA. What? <laughs> what sort of logic is that? <laughs> so you want to do the same for film? You yeah. just want to have a... He probably does. Uh, well, dude, that, that, that is the whole family-friendly friend, uh, option, unfortunately, is, is that uh, this is my problem with the whole family-friendly world, is the fact that you're going, to, you're going to create a world of people that know nothing about violent sex drugs or anything like this until they hit 18 Absolutely. yeah that's a fucking great idea i'm just gonna bring this up i actually I actually raised this on the show way back i think in episode one or episode two i'm gonna say it again though because we've got different listeners now i listened to a radio show in uh melbourne uh many years ago and i will say that, that one of the most insightful things i've ever heard was said that i am a parent yeah. um and so you know, you would think I would be sitting there going, oh, we have to protect the children. No, I actually take the other viewpoint. And this is where I would implore other parents because all you parents out there were 15 once. And this mm. is as soon as you have kids, you seem to forget that you were a child yourself. Uh, yeah. It's a strange thing that fires. That didn't happen to me. And I will raise my son the way I was raised and with the sort of ideals that I have. Um, now, the point is, though, one of these people said we need to protect our children. We need to shield our children. We need to, you know, make sure they're kept safe. And the insightful comment came from the host when he basically said, should we protect our children or should we inoculate our children to protect them? And that to me was the most insightful thing ever said, because basically what he's saying is don't shield them and not show them this stuff exists. Show them the stuff and explain it. Oh, and this has always been you the know? argument, man, is, is, is the most well-balanced people I've ever met are the people that know how to deal with this sort of situation. How many times have you been at a party or a situation, you run into that one person that you say something and they just completely lose their shit because they don't know, they haven't been brought up with any sort of understanding of what you're talking about. I, when you make a joke about, you know, sort of killing off a large section of people and you're joking you're genuinely mm, joking mm. you're just making a statement about how you feel towards a particular you know whether it be maybe uh you know sort of people that deserve darwin awards people that eat peanuts when they are allergic to peanuts it's like you say something off the top of your head like blah blah, blah maybe we should kill these people if people don't realize that there are jokes mm, mm. there are dark forms of humor then these people will immediately create tension and conflict in Agreed. just general day-to-day situations because they haven't been brought up with how to deal with people like me, as an example. This is why I don't go to parties, Dave. <laughs> um, no, but I, 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 really, I really live by this belief that 
as an example, uh, this whole argument came up because it was about racism at the time, and there was a Ku Klux Klan website being made, and they're saying it should be banned, it should be taken offline. And the host was basically saying, should it be taken offline, or should you be able to look at that site and then explain why it's wrong? Yeah. Because it's like an immune system. Yeah. If you shield your child and never let them get sick, mm. then when they finally go to school, they're going to get every single cold yeah. worse than everybody else because their immune system has no defenses against it. Yeah. I talked from a child who was immunodeficient at one point. Dude, and you know? 90% of the kids that while out go crazy and just take off and create their you know sort of own life and rebel heavily against their parents and drink and get heavily into drugs and all this sort of stuff. These are not the kids that have been brought up. These are the kids you're talking about right now. These are the kids that have got to 15 or 17 or 18 and been exposed to drugs or alcohol for the first time ever with no concept of what mm-hmm. they're getting into and then basically going straight off the deep end because they haven't been told the wrong like and implications look, frankly, of these situations rather, look i would much rather and i say this you know casually because it hasn't happened but i would much rather when my child is 17 years old and wants to smoke pot mm. I, I'm, I'm not one of those sort of parents who's going to sit there and go, you can't do that, it's forbidden, because they're just going to go off and do it anyway. Exactly. I would much rather him do it in my house, mm-hmm. where I could monitor it and know what was going on, yeah. than have him sneaking around, you know, going or, in the back alleys Or at least open, open up, like, I mean, it, it, that aside, you know, sort of whether or not you want your kids to do that particular thing or, or not, anything that your kid's going to do, don't shut the doors no. on them about these situations. Because that's, that's, that's what... Up sex. Nicholas, when Nicholas wants to have sex, I am hoping he comes to me and says, can you buy me condoms? And uh, you know, and what? I would buy him condoms in a heartbeat because I'd much rather him be safe and protected than him going well, out. More just, importantly, you know, there's no shame it in it. No. They're not. They're not feeling like they're they're doing something wrong. They don't hide it from you. There isn't that um, that that the destruction of communication based entirely on the fact that you're damn straight. It, like all of these things come from basically turning a blind eye to our kids and saying, "I'll just pretend that I didn't notice they're doing that." Or number two is basically abuse them or telling them off for doing things that and the worst kind of people are the ones that actually have done it in the past and then tell their kids off for doing it it's mm, like mm. all you're doing is creating a system of tension in your own house and then all you're doing is segregating yourself from your children and that's sad and it's this whole rating system is an exact example of that if we're going to try and pretend it's not there until you're 18 years old then they're going to go around to their friend's house and do it anyway and have no idea of what's right and wrong and it is not up to the government to dictate who can and can't place something they give us the guidelines to set it in place damn right because there are 16 year olds out there who will be able to handle r-rated content much better than some 19 year olds Mm. can handle it it is all depends on this is where the parent comes into play and basically says i understand you will be able to handle that and they control what happens in the house at the store though you don't want those under 18s being able to buy them it's as simple as that because it puts the control into the parents hands now speaking of control and speaking of communication it came out this week that the pope is not a big fan of the internet good lord no way and i think i I know man pop-ups on the screen are just like you can imagine the guy's (laughs) still using probably windows 95 at this stage (laughs) and he's probably just got a screen covered in pop-ups he's just like "I, i don't even know how to deal with this look to quote the pope 
And the yep. reason why he doesn't like, and once again, my show notes are running slow, so give me a second here. But to, to Pope Benedict, the, what is he, the, the 16th, um, uh, has warned that the internet does not make people hum- more humane, but instead risks increasing a quote-unquote sense of solitude and disorientation among numbed young people. Bullshit. Do you know why the Pope doesn't like the internet? Because information is on the internet, and information is power. And basically, all these young people out there who are basically looking at it, and the internet makes them question. Mm. It makes them think about things. It makes them give them other ideas. And of course, any time you're dealing with any kind of religion, I don't care what religion it is, you're looking at control. Mm. And that control is on shaky ground if you've got information. And the Pope... Let's face it, who is the head of one of the largest religions in the world is probably sitting there going, this is not a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, this isn't helping us. When did this start? (laughs) I can completely understand why he doesn't like the internet. Completely Uh, understand it. But it's not for the reasons he's saying. That's crap. We know exactly why he doesn't like the internet. Anyway, all right. Whew, news. And we're running a little over, so let's move into gadgets really quickly. We're going to fly through gadgets, and we're going to say, remember the Nano Watch? We looked at that last week. It's got the plastic and so forth. Look at this one. Here's another Nano Watch. That's a sleeker looking. That, that, that's that's nice. a sleeker looking watch with the black band and everything. I would wear that. And let's flash back in time a little bit. These links for all of these devices can be found on our show notes. Uh, this is the Nano Slap watch. Do you remember, oh, the, remember no the slap way. bands from yeah, the yeah, 90s? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those things work for like a week and then they basically die. I don't want that one. No. I'll take the other one though. The other one's pretty good. Now, headphones. We were talking about wires last week and everybody goes, oh, we need Bluetooth yep. wires. Well, somebody, some smart and genu- industrious people have, have fixed that by saying, the shuffle is so small. Why not just put the shuffle in the headphones? Okay, now that's cool. That's a clever idea. You just put the shuffle right there on the headphone, and it's done. It doesn't have any moving parts. It's not going to whir in your, in your ear. And you just plug it straight in. I think that's a very clever idea. Now, last thing we're going to do is uh, just a uh, – this was just fun, and I've cut this right back, and we're not going to play the whole thing as it is because it is still too long. But this is something you can't do with an iPhone 4. Mm. This is an iPhone 3GS, and those who doubt how robust an iPhone 3GS was, now iPhone 4 is all glass, so you probably couldn't get away with this. These people took an iPhone 4, uh, sorry, an iPhone 3GS, taped it to a remote control car, and hit record on the camera, and this is what they got. Okay, so this this is the phone taped to the top of the car, just showing you it running around. Car view! <laughs> Oops, sorry. Watch this. Do this with your iPhone 4. Watch the per- picture perfect double loop. <laughs> <laughs> and here comes the vision. It's on its feet, and it goes on for ages. I'll let you guys watch this video at your own leisure. Uh, the link is on the show notes. It goes on. He takes the car down a slide. He pushes a ball along with it. He takes it down. Going downstairs is a killer. He takes it downstairs and goes... <laughs> <laughs> all the way down the <laughs> but yeah, he really abuses this thing. Um, 
Adds to shopping list. RC car. <laughs> Callousness. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Callousness. <laughs> all right. Um, now, uh, so, okay, so that's all of our, um, our links uh, for the day. What we are going to talk about is our little piece of history, because we did talk about doing a little bit more history. Um, now... Uh, Delta, who is our researcher on this show, sent us through a couple of historical things, but I had to override him on this one because last week we actually talked about building Babbage's analytical engine, and I found out some details for you. Okay, so basically uh, the campaign is to build the truck-sized prototype computer that was first envisioned in 1837. Uh, uh, More than 1,600 people have pledged money. Uh, and support to build Charles Babbage's analytical engine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the elements of the engine have been uh, elements of the engine have been built over the last 173 years, but a complete working model of the steam-powered machine has never been made. Uh, the, the campaign hopes to gather donations from 50,000 supporters to kickstart the project. And John Graham Cumming, now John Graham Cumming, if you haven't heard of him, is a remarkable person. He's actually the guy that got Turing. Uh, got the official apology for Turing uh, oh, wow. from the from the British government, and he's also the guy who uh, uh, pioneered the building of Babbage's other machine uh, through this same process of donation. Um, he said it's an inspirational piece of equipment, um, and a hundred years ago, before computers were available, Babbage had envisaged this machine. Um, so he's trying to get it made. If you want to pledge support, now this doesn't mean you actually give money to them straight away. You will, but at the moment they're just taking pledges. And you can uh, actually find those pledges. I actually have the link here for you. If you go to, once again, my show notes are acting up, so just give me a second. Um, so I'm actually really curious. I'm going to pledge some money to this because I really want to see this machine built. Damn right. Um, um, I think this would be fantastic. Uh, where are my show notes, dudes? Come on. Don't mess up. Why, why is it doing this today? It's never did this before. Um, uh, yes, you can go to... Plan 28, so plan, P-L-A-N, and the number 28.org. .org. Um, so plan28.org, and you can actually pledge some money towards building Charles Babbage's analytical engine, and I think that would be absolutely awesome. Um, okay, uh, we've got a little bit of feedback. Uh, now, this came uh, from Northy179, uh, who said, hey, gang, I may be old-fashioned, but I love RSS feeds. Damn straight, so do I. I know a lot of people don't, but I read RSS feeds every day. Uh, they're, they're a geek thing. The RSS feeds. The average person's moved away from RSS feeds. I think they were a short-lived thing, but I love RSS feeds myself. Podcasting is not possible without RSS feeds, so we have to love them. Uh, RSS feeds and I have been looking for ages for an app on my iPad that works great for website feeds. I tried a few, then I came across Pulse News Reader, and it is fantastic. Very simple design, free, and comes with all the functionality I was looking for. And he included some pictures and says regards regards Northy one seven nine. Northy, I actually have used Pulse News Reader. Um, I was actually uh, I put it on my iPad ages ago, and I played around with it for a while. I actually took it off in the end because. I wanted a more nuts and bolts RSS reader, and this is why I use... What's it called? What's the one we use? Uh, Mobile RSS. Mobile RSS, uh, which I really like, uh, because it basically uh, mimics the interface of Google Reader, which Mm. is kind of how I read my RSS feeds anyway. But I agree with you. If you want something that looks a little bit more magazine-like, because it lays it out in panels and pictures and stuff like that, then, uh, yeah, Pulse News Reader is pretty cool. Um, I don't think it's... Free, though. I'm not sure. I could be wrong about that. So uh, you can look into that. Find it on iTunes. Okay. IOS News and Apps of the Week. 
Um, first, I'm going to throw in a couple of news stories for Josh because he may not have. Well, I know he's heard of one of these because I just told him before the show, which is the Minecraft app. Minecrafter? Minecrafted. Minecrafted has vanished. It is mm. no longer in the App Store. Um, so I don't know what happened. I don't know if they pulled it, if it was a copyright issue, Apple pulled it, who knows. Mm. But I do know that I went looking for it, and I know an American site that I was reading also put up a post about this saying it wasn't available on the U.S. store either, so it's gone. Wow. So I don't know what the hell happened with Minecrafted, but it's off the App Store. So I didn't get a chance to get it before it disappeared, but you finally reported back and Yeah, said, I reported back. Look, I mean, it doesn't really give you enough functionality to practically do anything that you could do, and the control system's not quite uh, complex enough to have real fun with the levels that people talk about with people making mm-hmm. their own levels. And so, so it's kind of it's an app that really won't be missed. They need to make a better one um, right. if they're going to bring people along. So I don't know. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, And the other piece of iOS news from this week was, um, this was actually recommended to us. Now, I don't have the email information. Shit, I do feel, I apologize. Whoever it is that sent me the email that told me about this, I I apologize. But basically, uh, if you wanted to ever stay in control of notifications, uh, if you're one of those people who likes to have notifications being pushed to you on your phone, but it's a messy, I mean, the iPhone's a really messy notification system. Uh, oh no! This was actually, this was one of Delta's links. Thank you, Delta. That's right. Uh, Boxcar 4.0. Um, now I've downloaded it. I haven't tried it yet, so I can't tell you what it's actually like. But apparently, it pulls all of your notifications into one app. Nice. So uh, it will notify you of your Facebook, your Twitters, your RSSs, and so forth. And it'll put all your notifications into one nice, neat little place called Boxcar. Well, that's good. Um, so I've actually downloaded it, and I've got it installed onto my iPhone, but I haven't actually played with it yet. But it is there if you want to have a look at it. All right, so mm-hmm. thank you very much, Delta. Now, Josh. Yes. App of the week. <laughs> is that your app of the week? <laughs> we don't have a theme. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Um, so mine? Yes, go yeah. for it. All right, cool. Well, look, my app of the week, my actual useful app of the week, um, comes with first the reasons I love it and, um, a little bit of a side warning for people that plan to use it. Um, the app for this week is called Audio Note, all one word. Yes, I want to get um, this. Audio Note is an amazing program because basically it's one of the apps. There are a few like it. Um, I like this one in particular because it's quite, um, it's it's very decent in all of the aspects it has. Um, basically, it is a recording app which allows you to record notes. Um, it will also let you draw on a piece of paper, like it has a page that's open while it's recording. Um, but when you write notes, like physically uh, write them out with the keyboard on screen, when you actually start typing, it logs the exact second in which you're taking that note and links it with the audio file itself. So when you finish recording at the end of it, you can actually go through your notes and actually just make a note on what the person's speaking about. And then when you actually play it back, you can actually click on the particular word and it will then go straight to that part of the um, the note itself and actually play back that. So it's really good if you've got long so notes. So basically like it's putting chapter breaks in. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you can export all of this. It comes out in a directory, which you can save onto your computer. The one thing I want to warn is the notes come out in a PDF, which is really cool and really handy. Um, so links and stuff like that will work. Um, the drawings will also come out on that PDF, so you'll get any of the drawings you did as well. Um, the one thing is the audio comes out in CAF files, which I learned the hard way because I did a, a um, awesome 
interview with the developer for the new Need for Speed game and pulled it down and hadn't looked into the app before I did. I've managed to fix and rectify this problem, but for PC users, because CAF files are very Mm -hmm. Mac-based, it is actually easier to audio... Uh, record the audio out through the headphones port onto an actual board or uh, audio device. Gone old school. Exactly. So uh, (laughs) a little bit annoying in that front, but apart from that, an awesome app. Fantastic. So that's that. Um, As for my games for this week, I have three. Um, I have three? Two, yes. <laughs> I have uh, two for iPhone. Um, I'm not sure if these are still free. Uh, they were available last week, and I was amazingly surprised because uh, Free App of the Day has got really crap, and I actually have just gone to going through the actual um, uh, software itself and just going through menus now and finding games as opposed <laughs> to using it because there's nothing good on it. Um, but I found two of these, and they're both free. The first one is called Radiant. Radiant is what we refer to in the games industry like hyper-stylized 8-bit technology. So it's like really crystal clear graphics, but all 8-bit. And basically what it is is they've combined the concepts of Space Invaders and R-Type. So all um, all of the creatures come down and like swoop around and try to kill you and so on and so forth as the screen moves up. But then they will lock themselves to the top after you've finished shooting them all down. So basically you get... You finish up each part of the level with a full um, Space Invaders style top up the uh, the top. It's amazing graphics, really fun game, the kind of thing you can waste hours with. Right. So that one's really good. Uh, the other one is called Super Laser. Now, if you are ever a fan of Raptor or um, uh, what's another one, um, uh, Overkill or even um, something like uh, 1942 or something like that, this game has just brought that to the iPhone. And uh, it is really, really cool. It's really hard, incredibly hard game, um, and also has just all of the greatest parts of those games combined into one what's game. What's it called? Super Laser, one word. Super laser. Yes. All right. So those are my two iPhone apps, and uh, one that we've already seen people talking about in the chat room, and I knew everyone in the chat room would already have this, uh, both for iPad and iPhone, Rage HD has been released. This is Rage, um, Rage's new engine, which is ID's new gaming engine, which is designed for the iPad and iPhone. Um, the graphics are amazing, like amazing. You won't see more fun. Now, uh, one thing to explain to people, anyone that thinks we're going to get a moving around shooter, you're not, okay? They're trying to make the experience fun, and the way they've done it is it's an on-rails shooter, and it's a really well-developed on-rails shooter, and um, it gives you plenty of movement, plenty of ability to play with the game. It is the kind of game that has a lot of skill involved in it. It's not just shoot targets on a screen, um, but give it a chance. There's only three levels, but it's only $2.50, so who cares? I'll pick that up this afternoon. Yeah. Totally worth getting. Fantastic. So those are my apps. All right, mine is actually a game because I was running through um, the listeners' uh, thing, so I just put in one game. Uh, and uh, I've been looking for, and let me let me try and explain this. I've been looking for SimCity on the iPad, basically. Yeah. And SimCity has not been released on the iPad. So there's an iPhone version which you can make bigger on mm. the iPad, but it's not quite the same. I want a good HD style yeah. SimCity game, and they have not released it. But I did come across this game called Virtual City HD, and there is a free demo that you can download. So you can—that's how I did it because I want yeah. to make sure that it wasn't just another. Um, I want to make sure it wasn't just another Wii rule type game. That it was more SimCity-ish. It is, but it's actually not 
like SimCity in the sense that you start from nothing and build up an entire city. It's called Virtual City HD from G5 Entertainment. Um, it's actually like SimCity crossed with a mission-based game. Yeah. So you have to go through levels. So they'll say, here's a town. They need this, 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 and this. And so your level is to achieve those particular goals. You mm. finish those, you move on to the next level. And each level you go up, you get prizes and achievements for, which you can then apply to future levels. And... The part that really won me over was after you've reached a certain level, and you don't get this in the demo, but once you get the full version, after you have achieved an entire state, Mm. you get an open sandbox. And the open sandbox is now like SimCity. Basically, it starts with just one building, and you can build up the city any way you want to after that. But I'm actually having a lot of fun with it, and I got quite obsessed by it the other night and played for two and a half hours straight. So this isn't a social game, though? No, no. This is is all you, baby. Um, Now, I I have kind of been informed that there might be Game Center stuff for it. Mm. It is also available on iPhone, so the iPhone version probably does have Game mm. Center stuff for it. I don't know how that integrates. It would be kind of neat to be able to play online city to city, but I don't know. I've always I've waited for that. Ever since the 1980s, they not 1980s, 1990s, they have talked about uh, SimCity Online. Do you remember this? Mm. They talked about the idea of having a SimCity online simulator where you ran your city and other people around the world ran their cities and you could actually trade with each other and stuff yeah, like yeah. that and it never really came about they probably did tests and there stuff, were, but it really there were, never happened there was one version of SimCity that did actually have that but it was only a land based play mm. um it didn't really work that well. No, it wasn't I always really that, that fun. They needed that. Yeah. That would have been an awesome thing. Mm. So if they can do something like that. But Virtual City is a lot of fun. It is pricey, though. Mm. Uh, it's twelve ninety nine. So before you actually play this game or buy it, pull the demo and have a look. Mm. The demo right. is free. Okay? Um, and do have a look at it on the iPad if you have an iPad because the graphics are really pretty. Okay? Um, all right. So that's mine. Mm. And that's all I've got for today because, as I say, I was doing the other people's stuff. So... <laughs> And that's fine. Okay. Shit, I think we're done. Yeah? Crap. I think we actually finished on time. What do you reckon? Mm. Yeah. Wow, that is yeah. so unusual for us. That is just wrong in yeah, every I know. way. I know. <laughs> All right, well, let's do some housekeeping. If you agree, disagree with anything we have to say, or you want to suggest things for us, or you have ideas, or you've got links or anything, we've had a lot of people writing to us. The last, and I say we can't, we don't often have time to do everybody's emails, so keep it short, keep it succinct, and if it's to the point, we'll put it on the show. Uh, but we do appreciate all email. We read all email if we, even if we don't get it online. Um, geektech at geekactually.com. Voicemail line is back up and running. Remember, I said to you there was a problem. Mm-hmm. I fixed all that. So, voicemail 02, Sydney number 02-8011-3167, or Skype ID is geekactually. Mm. Um, you can get lovely Geek Actually swag, things like T-shirts, cups, and stuff, like this fine mug that I'm using here, um, at cafepress.com.au forward slash Geek Actually. And, of course, you can follow our fan page at facebook.com forward slash Geek Actually. And I'll throw this in now because we're going to hand this over to Josh to tell us about his mustache in a minute. Yep. Um, <laughs> but I'll also say if you want to follow me directly, follow me twitter.com forward slash David McVeigh. Um, and I check Twitter every day. So if you ever want to get in touch with me, that's where I am. Um, You also make sure you do check out our other shows because this is not all we do. We also have a wonderful film show that we run directly after this, and I'll explain that part in just a minute. And we also have a wonderful after show, which has had booming business this week. (laughs) My God, the numbers went through the roof this week for the after show. 
Unbelievable. Must be Delta's food. Um, <laughs> it must be fish mouths in a can, uh, is all I can say. Uh, the after show is irreverent. The after show is kind of weird. We put in lots of weird links. Delta does a lot of our link researching. In fact, Delta does all of our link researching for that show. And some of it is really just kind of out there. Um, and I will give you a preview and say this week on the after show, the Canadian guys are back. More food. Uh. Um, I love those. <laughs> I love those guys. Um, all right. So do check that out. You can find all of those shows, including this one, on iTunes. Uh, just search for them by name or go to geekactually.com. All of our back episodes are on geekactually.com. You can get them at any time. And to explain, we do go out live. So if this show ever feels like it's a little bit out of control or we're kind of going, uh, trying to find our way, that's because we're live. We don't cut anything out. Um, uh, so we do the show live. We start every Saturday around the 12 p.m. mark, Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time. And we run the show's in order, now I'm going to make this announcement now because as of next week, it's going to be different. Uh, we have been doing the tech show followed by the film show followed by the after show. We're changing the order next week Good God. Uh, because of the daylight savings and trying to get in American guests and so forth. It actually works better. So we're just flipping the two shows. So it's going to be as of next week, film show starting at 12 o'clock followed by the tech show, then we go into the after show. Uh, so we're just rotating the film and tech show around, okay? Uh, so, and that may only be for summer, I'm not sure. We'll see how well it works. Um, so hopefully the chat room will be here for us on that. So do make sure if you, are, do, uh, if you only come in for the film show, you have to come in an hour earlier. Okay, and yep. uh, the be- benefit of that, of course, is that we will actually go out on time. Um, now, Josh, yes, tell me about your mustache. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, uh, this is um, kind of one of the last weeks we're going to be plugging this because I kind of have to make the donation at the end of this week uh, into the from our site box into the actual box for November. So we can take last minute donations, but. Um, I have a mustache because we are we at DLC um, are promoting uh, Movember, which is uh, doing drives for men's health. So basically, things like prostate cancer, um, but not limited to things of other male issues, uh, persuasion, stuff like that. Uh, also, things like depression in men and so on and so forth. Um, it's just a really good cause, which is kind of a fun thing to get attached to. If anybody has a few dollars, anything, two, three, five dollars, it doesn't really matter. We just need um, a last little bit of money because we're really wanting to give a push towards it this week. RawDLC.com. If you guys can just donate a few bucks, it would be really good. And that's about it. And also go check out the uh, new articles that are up, including the awesome Juicex video. Yeah, I was about to say, up. while you're at RawDLC.com, you should also check out their wonderful podcast, DLC Live, which goes out live every Tuesday. And check out the articles written by old boys over there because it's really good. Oh, and the girl. Even, the girl. There's a girl yeah, over there yeah, too, yeah, isn't there? Yeah. Um, so yeah, do check them out. Um, now we've had the uh, uh, Snake Oz in the chat room say, really stir things up and do the after show first. <laughs> what, pre-show? No. No, no, That's no, not no. going to happen. No, we need to do it last because it's about that end of the day kind of relaxing. That's right. It's like... The official stuff is over. Now we can have a bit of fun. I want to throw out a big thank you to David Murray, also known as Delta Knight in our chat room, for some of his great research for this show. Uh, we kind of share the research on this show. He does some. I do some. The after show is all his. But uh, his research is, uh, the stuff he sends to us is just gold. So we have to thank yeah. him. And Josh Spencer, you know who you are. Thank you very much. Uh, he does our cartoons. Find him at attackninja.blogspot.com. That's it. I think we're done. I think yeah. that's the week. And I'm going to steal. I'm going to steal... David Murray's uh, comments because I think he's wonderful. He ends every email the same way, and I think we should start doing it on the show, Josh. And we yeah. should say, geek on. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> if that's not copyright from you, Delta, you can uh, you can let us know. Um, okay, we're going to get out of here. Uh, film show is up next. Stick with us. And uh, for the audio listeners, go over and find it at Film Actually. And Josh, thank you very much. No worries, we'll man. We'll see you next week.